Tonight, we have the first official leadership debate for the Conservative Party of Canada. All six candidates will be on stage for the first time. Now, we've talked a lot about what happened in the first official debate. Only five. Patrick Brown wasn't there. Melissa Cowett, who uh, is a frequent guest here on the show, Western Canadian public policy professional and the principal of MC Consulting, joins us now. Uh, Melissa, thanks so much for joining us. Always appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Shay. It's great to be here. So this slight change in format, I mean, we've got one extra candidate, Patrick Brown, joining the dais. Uh, It's the first official campaign, whatever that means. Are you expecting it to be different than what we saw last week? Yeah, so last week at the Canada Strong and Free Network debate, um, the first sort of unofficial debate, um, for those who don't know, that's associated with the Manning Center. It's the new Manning Center, so a conservative sort of family think tank, that kind of thing. Um, The debate last week was really heated. It's not surprising to me because there are are a lot of very strong um, voices up on the stage, Um, but I think it's going to be even more heated because Patrick Brown, who was not on stage last week at the Manning Center debate, um, has been taking a lot of shots at Pierre Polyev and has been not shying away, I guess, from the fight. So you're going to see um, Patrick Brown, Pierre Polyev, and um, Jean Charest, probably the three most feisty candidates up on the stage, um, with Babert, um, Lewis, and Atchison sort of jumping in as they can. But those three really are probably going to dominate a lot of the discussion when it comes into rebuttals, etc. It's kind of interesting, because I had Jean Charest on yesterday, and I, I don't, I'm not disputing what you're saying. I think you're probably right. That's the way it ultimately will go. But he was talking about it and saying that's what he doesn't want to see happen. This is what he had to say when I talked to him yesterday in terms of what he'd like to see tonight. Tomorrow night, it falls on all of us to talk about the future, about the policies that we want for the future of the country. That's what the discussion should be about tomorrow night. That's where I want to be. And I'm I'm hoping that Mr. Polyev will be there, too. So he's laying the blame at the feet of Pierre Polyev in terms of how raucous it got last time. But it sounds to me like he would like to steer it out of that area. Who benefits with that kind of a knockdown, drag him out fight on stage? I think Sheree would probably like to do that, but I think in order for him to be competitive in the debates, he's going to have to get down and dirty a little bit because what happens in debates is you are sort of too passive and too above the fray when you're in a situation where there's a lot of that going on is you end up looking weak, even if objectively speaking, you're trying to be sort of the adult in the room, if that's sort of um, the goal. I think that um, Polyev gains the most from that style of politics. It's the style of politics that he's been very successful with. He's he's not, he's been accused of being a populist. He's very intelligent and very smart. He's an excellent communicator. So I wouldn't paint him fully with a populist brush, but he does deploy a lot of those tactics in terms of, um, you know, hammering on key messaging, knowing who his base is. So I think he does benefit the most in those settings because I just think that he is the best at winning in those settings like he's really good in that style of format so he can come out of the debate looking really strong if the other um, candidates opt to try and be a little bit more calm and and more above the fray if you will yeah he's certainly uh like you say you're right and if you go back to the last session in the house of commons and how he was characterized as sort of the attack dog the pit bull and he was awesome at that. He really, really is effective, you know, in sort of, as you say, being a communicator and grabbing headlines. He's extremely effective at that. So we'll see how it plays out tonight. Um, He seemed to have the crowd behind him in the last one. Jean Charest went after him for supporting the Freedom Convoy, and he was booed uh, in response for that. Uh, How important is 
the TV audience versus, or the live stream audience, whatever this may be, versus the live audience, how much does that play into it? I think that it can play into the sort of energy in terms of how the candidates feel up on the stage and perhaps, you know, some of the commentary that happens after. But the only thing that ever matters in leadership races is membership sales. And so you can be a real sleeper cell in terms of organization, which is, I think, you know, going back to the debate last week, I think that was Patrick Brown's approach. He was sort of saying, you know, the membership cutoff deadline is June 3rd. I only have a few more weeks left to sell memberships, which is the the only way that you win this thing. So he sort of has positioned it as he wants to focus more on that. So all of this is, you know, theater and it's important to have debates so that members can hear what's going on and so the public can get a sense of what's going on. But the only thing that ever matters is membership sales. So all of this can perhaps add to the energy of the campaigns, but unless the campaigns translate that energy into membership sales, none of it matters. Interesting. Uh, In terms of the overall impact of these debates and at least the tone in the first one and if it carries over or not, I know there's a lot of concern. Jean Charest was talking about it yesterday. Peter McKay was talking about it on the West Block this weekend. Uh, Roman Baber at the last debate. um, And you mentioned uh, Scott Atchison. This this is what he said on the debate stage last week. Every time I hear a conservative talk about some conspiracy theory, I realize that eh, there's another group of swing voters in the GTA that just are not going to come our way. Because all we do is yell and scream at each other. We're witnessing it now. I actually like all these people on this table. They're on this dais as well. They're good folks. And here we are, calling each other names. What Canadian is going to trust this lot? How big of a concern do you think that is for these candidates? Obviously, it is for him. Jean Charest has talked about it. As I said, uh, Roman Baber was talking about it as well. Um, do you think that sentiment will be the overriding thing? We need to go to a general election after this. We need to be careful, or is it still going to be all guns blazing tonight? You know, I would have said that that would have been a bigger risk if we were in a situation where we could be expecting to go to the polls as early as um, early 2023 in a typical minority situation. But the fact that the Liberals and the NDP have this confidence and supply agreement, which is likely going to keep the Liberals in government until 2025, I think changes the calculus on that. What what will happen for a candidate like Polyev or um, or, or any of the other ones that are being a little bit more outspoken, is that you now have time between when the leadership vote for the CPC is going to happen in September of 2022 to when the net- next general election is going to happen to change the tone. Now, that's not an easy thing to do, but it's easier now that there is a longer runway. Yeah. Pierre, already has, um, Pierre already has a seat, for example. So if he deploys the tactics he's deploying, which, by the way, work within the CPC in the current base that we have, if he then switches to sort of changing his tone after if he is successful, he has a longer runway, as anybody else would, to change the channel on that tone. But you'd have to make that switch quickly. And and sometimes it's hard to do because obviously conservatives are infamous for eating our own. So that shift has to be done super strategically so that the people who thought they were getting one thing don't don't um, get mad about the fact that they got something else, which is what happened with O'Toole and why we're even in this situation right now. Um, Last one for you. A lot of people saying, you know, we didn't hear a lot about issues. We didn't hear about cost of living. We didn't hear about war in Europe. We didn't hear about all kinds of different things that I want to know where the Conservative candidates stand. Do you think there's a chance that those issues will play a little more prominently as these debates go along? 
I think they will. And I think that the moderators will, um, will bring those issues up. But the reality is, is that um, in debates, when you get into the sort of free flowing rebuttals, you're going to hit on issues that are wedge issues. So you're going to hit on um, soundbite type issues. So Polyev is going to talk about um, Sharae's work with, um, with Huawei. Sharae is going to talk about Polyev not opposing Bill 21 and the trucker convoy protest. Um, you know, Atchison is going to talk about um, broadening. Atchison and, and Brown are going to talk about broadening the base and how we can't do that if we have social conservatives um, leading the party as as in um, Babert and and Lewis. So, as much as the moderators will try to to make the debate that way it will inevitably go back to issues that are easy sound voice and bites yeah. and zingers because that's really what debates end up serving as in the media afterwards. Exactly. That, that's how it works. You're absolutely right. Melissa, great analysis as always. Thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Jay. That's Melissa Cowett. Melissa is a conservative strategist, um, and she joins us frequently. She's a Western Canadian public policy professional, and she's the principal of MC Consulting. And I think she's right. I, I, you know, she really breaks it down, and I think she's spot on when it comes to her analysis of how debates fit into this. They'll get the headlines, um, um, but like she said, you know, membership sales and all those sorts of things are probably more important than what happens on the debate stage. But uh, make no mistake, these debates are closely watched, and uh, we'll see how it plays out tonight. Uh, that debate coming up tonight uh, in Edmonton, all six candidates on the dais for the first time, Only five last time, Patrick Brown will join the fray.